Yeah, it's happening. There it is. It's, it's happening. happening. It's happening. Hi, guys. Now it's happening. Literally, we have it technically recorded in two weeks. We filmed both the episodes what for five and six. Because Kelly had to go and get a fucking vacation. I'm going to cuss a lot. It's been a heavy day. It's been a heavy day. Oh. My oldest have you graduated from high school? Taught him in sixth grade. And he's so little and sweet and cute, and he's not old enough to be graduating. I know he's just a handsome little graduate. He's gonna do big things. Oh, he is. He doesn't really know what yet, but that's okay. He's eighteen. I'm twenty-seven, and I've only been in the job that I've been in for a year, and I never would have put myself in a marketing position. Well, I'm marketing and promotions, but I would never thought to get it. And I love my job. I love my boss. Very great. So if you listen to this, hey girl. This is my god sister, yeah. even though that's not a thing. Okay, let's her that all the time. Um. Oh, we didn't even say like an intro. Welcome back to Bloody Babbles Podcast. What's happening? What's happening? That's all they need to know. That's all they need to know. You know what you're listening to. You guys in Ecuador and Ireland oh and God. Singapore. What? Look at all our internationals. I love it. And it's if so you guys happy. never listen again, that's okay. Because you okay. listen at I'm Irish. Point. I'm so excited about I'm, Ireland. Here. I'm Irish too. Top of the morning, do oh you? Well, I mean, we're not. I mean, can you really say you're Irish or that you had Irish ancestors? Is that how I should say it? Because I've got Irish in my blood. I, like, you know, I just, I feel like maybe I'm offending them by saying I'm Irish because they're like, you don't even, I don't, I don't, I don't have an Irish accent. I can't even pull that. Top of the morning to ya. I can't even do that. I want to go to Dublin and drink in all the bars. Yeah, <laughs> Dublin. I can't do, I do a lot. But like, if I try to do it, I turn into my grandmother because- and I have a Brooklyn accent. So <laughs> that is Irish is, to Vince me. Vince is fantastic at it. Is he? He's so good. And it's a tough accent. On a different accent, Ar- not Arlo. He's three. Um, Xander oh, listens to an Australian, someone on YouTube. He listens to him and he's got a wicked good Does Australian really accent. <laughs> so hi guys. <laughs> me and Kelly are catching up. I mean, she went, uh, she went to Florida. She bought me this wicked cool t-shirt that I'm literally wearing right now. I'm so happy that you I love it. Honestly, it I was so media. sweaty from the graduation. I was kind of relieved. I mean, sweaty buddy. I got in Kelly's pants. She let me borrow some shorts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hopefully I can just figure out where to throw in our intro music, which is, uh, we'll just plug them now. Fantasy oh, and world music by the Fighters. Does it sound like that? No, it's a really, have you ever never listened to the sound? I have. Okay. I was, I'm not mimicking it well with the, what you're getting at. <laughs> nope. Mm. Make sure you sit closer to the mic this time. But anyways. Hopefully you hear me this time. Watch, I'll be booming loud. And I know. And, very and then I'm going to have to figure out, I can, I can edit our, uh, I'm pretty good at editing. I've kind of figured it out. She was quieter. She went, please just. We just, need her to go away. Oh, there's a lady named Marilyn in this story. That's My just, mom's name's I know. I know. I just saw that. I'm like, holy socks. My dad calls her Mert. Mert? Yeah. Her uh, maiden name is Hurdle. Oh. So at some point in her life, she was Myrtle the Turtle. Oh. She claims it was because she's slow, but I don't actually think my mom was ever slow. I think she was actually a pretty good athlete. So I don't really know. But he shortened it 
from Myrtle to Mert to Mert. Hey Mert, hey Mert. I love your dad. I you seen him. the mayonnaise? That's what he usually wants. <laughs> mayonnaise is life. I get it. Uh, it was hilarious the other day. He sent uh, pictures of my mom working in the backyard. Oh. Okay. They're both retired. Love it. At home. My mother never stops working on things, and Ever. he never gets off the couch. And she likes to talk about it. Oh, <laughs> sits on the couch right now. Well, he does sit on the couch all night. Oh, speaking of the couch. But her, no, under <laughs> the picture they put on, she's like, oh, good for you. You got up off the couch to take a picture of me working. You're <laughs> <laughs> the best relationship. I live for it. <laughs> I love your stories. Speaking of taking, like, the couch, I have to take a picture for tonight, because this is what I was going to tell you about. So our friend, Jessella. Jessella! She yeah. left us from Manhattan. Yeah, that stupid handbag. But anyways, no, she's a... Graf- a really bad job of keeping up with people. Yeah. In my mind, I'd love to be talking to Jessella on a daily basis. And she would love it as well. <sighs> Hopefully she listens to our podcast. Mm-hmm. But she know. is going to design a logo for us. No. Yeah. I sent her pictures of it. She's going to make it look. She's going to, she she wants to take a picture. She wants me to take a picture of the couch and how we have our setup. She's going to have us cartoonized. Uh, She's going to make us into cartoons and we're going to have our microphones and she's going to make the wall bleed behind us and make it say bloody battles. (laughs) Um, Have I mentioned how much I love this kid? (laughs) Gisela's like this. She's twenty. Yeah, she's twenty-four. Oh, she was hilarious. She's such I a. I okay. miss her. At every work. time I started talking about sports, I lost her. She's a gamer, and every time oh, she started talking about games, I lost her. Okay, so uh, we're. I don't think she's been. We talked about this for a while. Like we, she was a little inebriated, and I'm. I'm slowly becoming uninebriated as we speak. But um, till we go get drinks later. But it's fine. But no, she was talking to me about how she wanted to start like a stream of her gaming because she's pretty good at it. Like she's pretty darn good. I'm like, dude, do it. I'm like, we never thought we'd be making a podcast, but here we are. Episode and, seven. And she's the cutest thing. People she, are going to want to watch her. Yeah. I mean, my um, boys watch this Markiplier. I guess that was Brooklyn. I used to watch him all the time. I don't know. There was one with like an Irish accent. Oh, Cash recently told me that he is bad. Bad. says bad words. Oh, so well, don't ever let them listen. listen to this. Because Nicole cusses more than you do. I don't let them listen to it. <laughs> he can wait till he's older. Zabri asked me to listen. She's like, I want to listen to your podcast. I'm like, baby girl, mm. you're a baby. You're nine years old. Let's give it 10 years. <laughs> I know. That's what I said. I'm like, maybe when you're a teenager. Because Dryer listens. Oh, yeah. He loves it. And he's just Where's like, he's just like, she miss all of my students, man. That's such a good class. But I have a, a very soft spot for dry. My little bald-headed beauty. He's fantastic. And he's like, I haven't, I haven't finished listening to this one episode. I'm like, keep it's listening, dude. We talk about you a lot. Because uh, <laughs> he just, I know when you love him. So, okay, so we got to, we, now now that we've babbled, this is what happens. Kelly just counseled me and she like, rip open like a whole bunch of things um because she's going to be a counselor in case you don't remember i'm probably going to say that like almost every episode like we started with it's happening and um kelly's going to be a counselor i don't know if he has news or not <laughs> so and I'm, like, let's get to what these people the are actually here to listen like for so this isn't a murder case this isn't anything great okay it is kind of it's traumatic there's a lot of there'll be a lot of trigger wordings i feel and there was so much i i'm gonna i 
I Kellyed it a little bit and I said it. I just, <laughs> I straight up just printed the, the case itself that I got off Wikipedia. And I know Wikipedia, you're, get over it. Um, people get, she does, she does a lot. And I, you know what? I got someone interested in listening to the history of balloons. I'm like, please go listen because there's so many things I didn't know about balloons that I learned that day. But, no, this, like this case, like if you saw how many papers, I think there's at least 20, 22 papers in, in my hand. We're not going to cover them all. This is going to definitely probably be a two-parter, but um, I found this case and I find it intriguing. I'm sure some, a lot of people have heard about it. You may have too. It's about Jeannie Wiley. She was, a, she's a feral child. You know, her actual name was Susan. I found that out. I don't know if she, they wanted. feral child, you mean wild? She ends up, you'll, you'll, you'll hear I just think of a feral cat. Feral cat, but she she was treated like a wild animal. Oh, she was yeah. No, um, no. So called it. Uh, kinda, but almost worse. I feel, and that and that book that book messed me up. I'm gonna leave. Once again, we're in Kelly's basement, and she's trying to leave her own house. I'm gonna leave now. She's like, I'm gonna check out now. It's worse than that. I think I'm gonna check out. Like it's rough. Like as I was taking notes, because I like, because like the one case that I'm I'm covering right now, I've gone back and forth on one website because it gave like details about things that I wanted to know, and it fit better in my story. But with her case, I was literally copying verbatim almost from Wikipedia and the sources that they used. Mm -hmm. So maybe I'm just it's just off the Wikipedia page. Don't hate me. You don't need to go any further than that. You can just say it's... Yeah, I know. Like, last episode, Nicole, is this is this a short episode? Because I said it, like, three or four. This one, I'm just this reading. This is a short one, guys. This is this, this one. This is a short one. Yeah, definitely. This isn't. But, okay, so we're going to start with her family background. I know I had something wrote in my notebook that I liked how I wrote things, but it's fine. Just going to read it about Wikipedia. So, if you don't really want to listen to this, go look on there. But just kidding. You're here. You're welcome. Hi. So, Jeannie, I didn't even bring the first page because I'm like, it talks about like the details and like, is all, it's very short. And I'm like, no, I want to understand. Delve. Delve deep, deep into this rabbit hole of Jeannie Wiley. She was the last and second surviving of four children born to her parents who were living in Arcadia, California. Her father worked in a factory as a flight mechanic during World War II and continued in aviation afterward. And her mother was 20 years younger than her father. And she was from an Oklahoma farming family. That's that's our neighbor. It's one of our uh, neighbor states. Is that it? And she had come to Southern California as a teenager with family friends fleeing the Dust Bowl. I'm like, well, Kansas is still a Dust Bowl. And that hasn't changed since. I don't, I don't know if it ever says. They didn't have an exact... Like, one website I found had her birth date. I'm so glad I didn't bring those notes now, so this isn't going to be what I want it to be, but I'm sorry. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah, but I, they weren't exactly sure when she was born. I think one said, like, 1957, and one said, like, April of 1962. So her exact date wasn't even listed. Okay. Yeah. So during her early childhood, Jeannie's mother sustained a severe head injury and an accident gave her lingering neurological damage that caused degenerative vision problems in one eye. Me, with my left eye when I can't see out of it. Just kidding. I didn't have a head injury. But, um, yeah, her father mostly grew up in orphanage, orphanages in the American Pacific Northwest. Um, his father died as the result of a lightning strike, and his mother ran a brothel while only infrequently seeing him. 
and it like goes into this like is just like the world's worst luck for both of them. Yeah. Uh, drink. Additionally, his mother gave him a feminine first name. I couldn't find it to save my life. I Was searched. It Sue. No, boy name named Sue. Sue. I don't know. <laughs> Which made him the target of constant derision. I think he he ended up changing his name, and I, I'm pretty sure his name was Clark. She named him Clarabelle. Clarabelle. Oh, God. That's, I don't know. There's something that's so Judy. funny hearing us upstairs when we're down here. I'm uh, sorry. I'm kind of waiting for it to stop so I can go get my transcription. Oh, it's paused for a second. Don't tell anybody. Don't tell anyone. It's a secret. Okay. Additionally, his mother gave him a first feminine first name, which made him the target of constant derision. As a result, he harbored extreme resentment towards his mom during childhood, which Jeannie's brother and the scientist who studied Jeannie believe was a root of his subsequent anger problems. So, yeah, there was four siblings. I wrote their names down. They're in the notes that I have on my desk okay. at my house. Subsequent. Yeah. Subsequent. Anger problems. But. Doing that I'm sorry. No, you're fine. No. Um. When Jeannie's father reached adulthood, he changed his first name to one he was more typically, to one which was more typically masculine, and his mother began to spend as much time with him as she could. He became almost fixated on his mom, despite relentless arguments centered around supplication that he adopt a less rigid lifestyle. He began to treat all other relationships as secondary at best. Jeannie's parents initially seemed happy to those who knew them. Soon after they married, he prevented his wife from leaving home and beat her with increasing frequency and severity. Her eyesight steadily deteriorated due to uh, lingering infections. Uh, I didn't even write this and I can't read it. Mm -hmm. Effects from her existing neurological damage, the onset of severe cataracts. She had a detached retina in one eye and she became very dependent on her husband because of not being able to see clearly and because of her vision is how Jeannie ends up being found later on after the severe abuse she receives. Um, Jeannie's father disliked children and wanted none of his own, finding them noisy. But after five years into their marriage, his wife became pregnant because you got to remember she's 20 years younger than him. I don't, I don't throw down, but it's fine. Um, Although he beat his wife throughout the pregnancy and near near the end attempted to strangle her to death, she gave birth to an apparently healthy daughter. Um, the fa her fa Jeannie's father found her. This is her sister, her older sister. What would have been her older sister? Found her cries disturbing, placed her in the garage, where she caught pneumonia and died at the age of ten weeks. There's Ouch. yeah, uh, their second child, born approximately a year later. I know. <laughs> um, was a boy diagnosed with RH incompatibility who died at two, two days of age, either from complications of the RH or from choking on his own muc mucus. So, yeah, her older brother and older sister died at 10 weeks because she was in the garage, and then her brother died due to issues with RH incompatibility. I'm, I wrote that down, too, about what that was because I didn't know what it was, and now I don't know what it is. So it's fine. Don't have your phone down here to double check. I know, I can't. In a minute. Yep. <laughs> Three years later, they had another son. Uh, Richard? Richard? Richard or Robert? Oh, I can't Richard. remember his name. He ends up surviving. Um, they had another son described as healthy, even though he also had that same RH incompatibility, but he, um, he ends up surviving. His father forced his wife to keep him quiet, causing significant physical and linguistic developmental delays. When he reached the age of four, his maternal grandmother grew concerned about his development and took care of him for several months. 
and he made good progress with her, but she eventually returned him to the parents, even though I don't think she wanted to, but I think they, like, I demanded always, it. Yeah, but I think you always get the point where, like, they need their parents. Yep. So now we're going to come to Miss Jeannie. She was born five years after her brother, around the time her father began, began, began. It's begun to isolate himself and his family from all other people. Like, very reclusive, kept him in the house. At birth, she was in the 50th percentile for weight. She also showed signs of the RH incompatibility and required a blood transfusion, but had no sequelae. Yep, it's underlined, and that means I should have, you can hover over it and it'll tell you what that is. And, but she was, other, she was healthy despite mm -hmm. those issues. A medical appointment at three months showed that she was gaining weight normally, but found a congenital hip dislocation, which re required her to wear a Freshka splint from the age of four and a half to 11 months because of this dislocation in her hips. That, that splint helped realign her hip. It caused her to be late to walk, and researchers believe that her father started to speculate she was mentally disabled. As a result, he made a concentrated effort to not talk to her or pay attention to her and strongly discouraged his wife and son from doing so as well. So this that started at... What is wrong with this person? Like, Ugh. he's... And what he does, he's such a coward. He's, he's a, the garbage. Things are... Oh, okay, cool. It's just telling me, hey, you're recording, and they're held in your browser. I know. Thank you for the warning. But anyways... Okay, so there is little information about Jeannie's early life, but available records indicate that for her first months, she displayed normal development. Um, Jeannie's mother later recalled that Jeannie was not a cuddly baby. She did not babble much. <laughs> she couldn't have been friends with us then. But uh -oh. she, no, we babbled too much. And I thought that it was funny that the word babble was... Did it stop? All right. So, um. Yeah, Jeannie didn't babble much, and she resisted solid food. At times, she said that at no. At times, she said that at some unspecified point, Jeannie spoke individual words but could not recall them. But other times, Jeannie had never produced speech of any kind. Researchers never determined which was the truth. Like a lot of people, there's so many things that there's so many people that looked into this girl's case because it was just. Oh, I think this is where it's. Yep. It's going to start getting kind of rough. If there's like anything that's super triggering, I'll definitely, uh, it's coming. Warning. It's before. coming. It's coming. Okay. At the age of 11 months, she was still in overall good health. No noted mental abnormalities, but she had fallen to the 11th percentile for weight. Uh, people who later studied believe she, this was a sign of her starting to stuff or from some degree of malnutrition at 11 months old. Okay. So three months later, 14 months old, she came down with a, fever, and pneumonitis. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And her parents took her to a pediatrician who had not previously seen her. They said although her illness prevented a definitive diagnosis, there was possibility that she was mentally disabled and that brain dysfunction might be present, um, further amplifying her, her father's conclusion that she was severely retarded. Ugh! I hate that word. Hate it! I hate it, but... Her father's just a fucking piece of garbage. But anyways, six months later, when she was 20 months, her paternal grandmother died in a hit-and-run traffic accident, which was Jeannie's, that would have been her dad's mom. Um, the death affected Jeannie's father far beyond normal levels of grief, and because his son had been walking with her, he held his son responsible 
further heightening his anger. When the truck's driver received only a probationary sentence for both manslaughter and drunk driving, Jeannie's father oh. became delusional with rage. Rage. Not rage. rage. Not rage. Rage. Beyond the norm. Exactly. Scientists believe these events made him feel society failed him and sell- Wait. and convinced him he- convinced he would need to protect his family from the outside world, but in doing so, he lacked the self-awareness to recognize the destruction his actions caused because he believed Janie was Jeannie. Jeannie. God bless it. Was severely disabled. He thought she needed him to protect her even further and therefore chose to hide her existence as far as possible. So he thought he was helping her, but what he does to her is it's gross. I hate it. And we're about to get into that. Immediately, I'm sorry that I keep doing this. <laughs> it's okay. He immediately quit his job, moved his family into his mother's two-bedroom house, where he demanded his mother's late car and bedroom be left completely untouched as shrines to her, which further isolated his family. So we're going to move on into childhood. So mm-hmm. upon moving, Jeannie's father confined Jeannie to the second bedroom in the back of the house while the rest of the family slept in the living room. Because I think it was only a two-bedroom house, and they kept the mother's room as a shrine. Like, nobody touched it, which is gross. Um, during the daytime, for approximately 13 hours, Jeannie's father... Um, I don't know if this is a trigger warning, but it's rough, so here we go. It's happening. It's coming. Jeannie's father tied her to a child's toilet in a makeshift harness designed to function as a straight jacket. While in the harness, she only wore diapers and could only move her extremities. At night, he usually tied her into a sleeping bag, placed her in a crib with a metal screen cover, keeping her arms and legs immobilized, and research believed that he left, sometimes left her on the child's toilet overnight. Yeah. The, oh. oh. Are we talking like a potty chair? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Researchers conclude that if she made any noise or vocalized at all her bo- father beat her with a large plank that he kept in her room or sometimes he just hit her just to hit her to keep her quiet he bared his teeth and barked and growled at her like a wild dog and he grew his fingernails out just so he could scratch her yeah what in the world yeah sick if he suspected her of doing something he did not like, he made these noises outside the door and beat her if he believed she had continued to do it, instilling an extremely intense and persistent fear of cats and dogs in Jeannie. No one definitively discerned the exact reason for his dog-like behavior, although at least one scientist speculated he may have viewed himself as a guard dog and was acting out the role. As a result, Jeannie learned to make as little noise as possible. To otherwise give no outward ex- and to give no outward expressions, Jeannie developed a tendency to masturbate in socially inappropriate contexts, which led doctors to seriously consider the possibility that Jeannie's father subjected her to sexual abuse no. or forced her brother to do it. Although they never uncovered any definite evidence, because even after she gets out of the situation with her father, like she. To this day, they don't. I don't know if she ever learned how to vocalize or talk about what she went through because it started at 20 months old. But okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, Jeannie's father fed Jeannie as little, oh my lord, as little as possible. Refused to give her solid food, feeding her only baby food, cereal, and occasional soft-boiled egg and liquids. 
Her father, or when coerced, her brother spooned food into her mouth as quickly as possible, and if she choked or could not swallow fast enough, the person feeding her rubbed her face in the food. Like, literally treated her like a dog. These were normally the only times enough... No. Were the only times he allowed his wife to be with Jeannie, although she could not feed Jeannie herself. Jeannie's mother claimed her husband always fed Jeannie three times a day, but also said that Jeannie sometimes risked a beating by making noise when hungry, leading researchers to believe he often refused to feed her. In 1972, Jeannie's mother told researchers that whenever possible at around 11 at night, she would surreptitiously try to give Jeannie additional food, causing Jeannie to develop an abnormal, abnormal sleep pattern in which she slept from 7 to 11 p.m., woke up for a few minutes, ate the food her mother would give her, and fell back to sleep for additional six and a half hours. That sleep pattern continued for several months after being taken away from her father. So she would sleep, yeah, from like 11. So she'd get up around like 6.30 every morning and then stay awake till 7 at night. But it's crazy how you can condition a kid like that. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Keep on trucking. Um... As it was mentioned, Jeannie's father had a, a low tolerance for noise to the point of refusing to have a working television or radio in the house. He almost never allowed his wife or son to talk or to talk and viciously beat them if they did so without permission, per particularly forbidding them to speak or to or around Jeannie. And I remember they gave her the name Jeannie because it was someone they get trapped inside of, you know, like the the bottle or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, and to be brought out and escape that entrapment is why they ended up calling her Jeannie. I don't know why that just popped in my head, but because she does eventually get away from these, her father, um, at some point. Okay. Where is she at in age right now? So she was born between 57 and 62. So my mom was born in 62. So like between 50 to between 50, like 57 to 60 years old, roughly. And they where her, I don't know if she's still they, they There's literally no information about where she is now. Her mom, she's just a ward of the state of California, but her mom did not want her info to be disclosed. Like people who were trying to help her, like her mom pulled her out of all of it and put her into a separate home. Obviously, I'm sure her mom's passed. Anytime out. someone tried to help. Anytime. It's, yeah. As okay. she was. I'll let you get to that. But, but yeah. Okay. Okay. Abnormal sleep pattern. Oh, yeah. Forbidding them to speak to or around Jeannie. Any conversation between them was very quiet or out of her earshot, which caused her to not learn how to speak or have any amount of language. Jeannie's father kept Jeannie's room extremely dark in the only available stimuli were the crib, the chair, curtains on each of the windows, three pieces of furniture, and there was two plastic rain jackets that they were hanging on the wall that she would sometimes get to play with. That was her toy. Yeah. Uh, on rare occasions, he allowed her to play with plastic food containers, old spools of thread, TV guys with many of the illustrations cut out. So it was just TV guys were just paper with words on them and the raincoats. Like, I don't know, I thought that was just interesting, like the raincoats, but I guess yeah. they make a sound. They, they a, were plastic. If you think of the toys with the like, tissue inside of them. Right. Yeah. And the room had almost two entirely blacked out windows, one which he left 
which her father left slightly open, although the house was well away from the street and other houses, she could see the side of a neighboring house, a few inches of sky, and occasionally heard environmental sounds or a neighbor, neighboring child playing the uh, piano. You have to hear piano just from where her room was at. Throughout the time, Jeannie's father almost never permitted anyone else to leave the house, um, but the son did get to go to and from school, requiring him to prove his identity through various means before entering his house. The father would make the son oh, prove that he was insane. And Obviously. to discourage disobedience, he frequently sat in the living room with a shotgun in his lap. He did not allow anyone else in or near the house and kept his gun nearby in case someone did come. Nobody in the neighborhood knew about the abuse Jeannie's father carried out on his family or were aware that there was another child besides their son. They didn't even know Jeannie existed when they moved into the mom's house. Jeannie's father kept detailed notes chronicling his mistreatment of his family and his efforts to conceal it. So he literally like transcribed it and wrote it down what he was doing to his family and how to keep them safe from the outside world. But yet he was damaging them. Hardcore. Jeannie's mother was passive by nature and almost completely blind throughout this time. Her husband continued to beat her and threatened to kill her if she attempted to contact her parents, friends who lived nearby, or even the police. Jeannie's father also forced his son into silence, giving him instructions on how to keep his father's actions secret and beating him with increasing frequency and severity. And as he got older, his father forced him to abuse Jeannie. Like, he would make him do things to her. I don't know exactly. Physical abuse? Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know if there's much, but they said with, like, just her touching herself, they speculated there may have been sexual abuse, but it was never confirmed, and she could never confirm it because of her lack of uh, being able to speak. Uh, the brother felt completely powerless to do anything to stop it and feared severe retribution for attempting to intervene, and on multiple, multiple occasions he tried to run away from home, Jeannie's father was convinced Jeannie would die by the age of 12 and promised that if she survived past age 12, he would allow his wife to seek outside assistance for her. But he um, reneged. I looked that up. Reneged. When, reneged. Thank you. When Jeannie turned 12 and her mother took no action, but oh, but he reneged. Re, re, what did you say? Reneged. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, she did turn 12, but she took no action for a year and a half. So she she was was that word subjected to that abuse and treatment like being left on the toilet she didn't know how to she wasn't potty trained right. she was in and what out of diapers rh rh incompatibility and that's why we drink elevator music <laughs> but um so this is getting into her rescue and so 1970, she was a Jeannie was approximately 13 years old and six, six 13 years and six months old. So 1970, that would have put her at night. Well, 1957 when she would have been okay. born. Okay. So there's that. There it is. 57. 1957. I think it was April of 1957 is the one date that I found, but it's not confirmed that that was her actual birth date. But um, Jeannie's parents had a violent argument in which her mother threatened to walk out if she could not call her parents. Her husband finally let her, and later that day she left with Jeannie while he was out of the house and went to her parents in Monterey Park, because they were in, in California. Jeannie's brother, who was then 18, had run away from home and was living with friends, so he he, he was dipped done. out. Like, he was but, like, I'm out. Hey, buddy, let someone know you got a sister 
that's being that's heavily heavily abused heavily has little to no oh hello he was part of that but he he got away he knew something was wrong why not i just alert people to that hi buttons is here I'm going to have to post a picture of Buttons because she's pretty rad. She's kind of my... She likes whipped cream. Whipped cream. I love it. I squeeze it in her mouth. Yeah, he... (laughs) She loves it. Yeah, he dipped out and was living with friends. So around three weeks later, on November 4th, her mother decided to apply for disability benefits for the blind in nearby Temple City, California. And she took Jeannie with her, but on account of her near blindness... This is the best thing that happened. She accidentally entered the general social services office that was next door to the disability benefits place. The social worker greeted them and instantly sensed something was wrong with Jeannie and was shocked to learn her true age because based on her appearance, she had the demeanor of a six or a seven year old who was possibly autistic. And after she and her supervisor questioned Jeannie's mother... (laughs) Buttons licked your toes. Buttons licked my toes, and you know, cat tongues are rough. She's like, dude, Nicole, I remember you. Jeannie and Jeannie and I. Oh my God, Buttons, I'm so sorry. Me and Buttons are BFFs. We we bonded while uh, Kelly was on vacation. <laughs> um, but uh, the social worker and her supervisor questioned Jeannie's mother and confirmed her age was 13 and a half, and police was contacted. Uh, her parents were arrested immediately, Dead. and Jeannie became a ward of the court. And due to her physical condition. And total unsocialized state, a court order was immediately issued for her to be taken to Children's Hospital in Los Angeles. Hello, Babylonians. I know a lot of you have been with us for a long time, even from the beginning, and we cannot say thank you enough. And I know a lot of you have been asking a lot lately, how do you make your own podcast? Well, it's simple. I use Anchor, Anchor anchor.fm, which is the website, or there is an app, or you can go on your computer, whatever you want to do. It's the easiest way. Um, It is run through Spotify, so that is one of the first uh, platforms that you'll be able to distribute your podcast out onto, and there's lots of different, it'll stream to at least, I think, 10 different platforms or more. Um, I'm going to give you a quick rundown about how it works. Anchor lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today, today, and tell me what your podcast name is because you know I'm going to listen. Then you can distribute your podcast to the most popular listening platforms, including Spotify with a single tap. Anchor is also the place you can publish video podcasts to Spotify. I know a lot of you have been asking for video. Don't worry, I'm working on it. With Anchor, creators can earn money. Yes, yes, you heard that right. In a variety of ways, including ads like this one and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. That's what sold me even though it didn't have to sell me because it's free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Happy listening. Did you bring a drink down? No, I just was telling you that I didn't get you one. (laughs) Would you like me to run up and get that now? And scene. And unseen hello <laughs> um, we needed a drink my mouth was real real dry so genie's been rescued um 
On her admission to Children's Hospital, David Riggler, a therapist and University of Southern California psychology professor, was a chief psychologist at the hospital, and Howard Hansen, the head of the psychiatry division and early expert on child abuse, took direct control of Jeannie's care. They assigned physician James Kent, um, an early advocate for child abuse awareness, to conduct the first examinations of her. They um, I remember, I don't know if they mentioned it in here, but they said she walked with like, like she was like a bunny, like she kind of hopped hmm. because she would be confined either to that chair and only could move her extremities when she was attached to the chair. And what if she was allowed to ro- move around the room, like she didn't know how to, she didn't stand upright. So she walked with kind of muscles back here that, uh-huh. would, that would allow you to walk normally. And yep. Those are the ones that were never used. Right. Interesting. But yeah, she so she walked with kind of a bunny hop, um, is what is what they describe it as. The information doctors received on her early life came from police investigation into Jeannie's parents. Even after its conclusion, there was a large number of unresolved questions about her childhood childhood that research never would answer. Um, but the news about her reached media outlets on November seventeenth, so that was uh, thirteen days after she was rescued. Um, receiving a great deal of local and national attention. And one, the one photograph authorities released of Jeannie significantly fueled public interest, interest in her. Her father refused to speak to police or the media. Large crowds um, subsequently went to try to see him, which he reportedly found extremely difficult to handle. On you November 20th... He couldn't handle large crowds. Yeah, well, he didn't. Is like, this the same guy that carried a shotgun... And he doesn't let people in his house. I, pretty mean, much. I can't believe he doesn't like her. So on November 20th, the morning before a scheduled court appearance on child abuse charges, he committed suicide by gunshot. Oh, darn it. Shucks. I wish I cared. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Let's celebrate that. I just took a drink in celebration of his death. Bye. Right. Police so found two suicide notes. One intended for his son, which in part said, be a good boy, I love you, Bart. Uh, and one directed at police. One note, sources conflict as to which contained the declaration, the world will never understand. You're dang right. And they shouldn't. And you shouldn't have subjected your daughter to abuse. So, and I quote from the morbid girls, rest in distress, you fucking pile of garbage covered in toenails. Rest in distress. Rest in distress. Hope that your big toenails are being ripped out repeatedly. Every fucking day. Sorry, I'm going to say fuck a lot. Fuck this guy. After Jeannie's father committed suicide, the world celebrated. Just kidding. Authorities and hospital staff <laughs> exclusively <laughs> focused on Jeannie and her mom. Um, years later, Jeannie's brother said his mother uh, soon began dedicating all, dedicating all her love and attention to Jeannie, after which she left the Los Angeles area. That was the brother who he just left. Apparently he had a lot of issues and I think he I mean, ended I, up. I'm shocked. He had a daughter of his own and he just had a terrible just relationship with her. Just well, based how on, could you have a normal one after the life he lived? He was yeah. taught no social skills. Like he was in abuse. Like that's all. And he had to be like his dad made him abuse his sister. Oh, like, like he was just as damaged yeah. as she was, yeah, yeah. but in just different ways. Like, I feel for him. Like, I, I do. Okay. At the request of Hansen, no. Yep. Attorney John Minor, an acquaintance of Hansen. Who the fuck is Hansen? Where did that name come from? Hello. <laughs> oh, Howard Hansen. He's the 
uh, head of the psychiatry division. Sorry, my dude. (laughs) Represented her mother in court. She told the court that the beatings from her husband and her total near blindness left her unable to protect her children. Charges against her were dropped and she received counseling from Children's Hospital. Hansen was her therapist, direct supervisor. So, yeah, see, this is, this is, that's Jeannie right there. And that was her talking about that bunny walk I was talking about. I'll probably post that one to our Instagram. But, um, I just, that was one of the pictures. And she was how old in that picture? 13. I don't know if there's more pictures of her, but if you look, look it up like you always do, you'll see that. Um, yeah. It gets into a lot about like, um, like how her, her characteristics and her personality. Um, James Kent stated examinations of Jeannie revealed by far that this was the most severe case of child abuse he would ever encounter. And he would, he came away extremely pessimistic about Jeannie's prognosis. She was pale, extremely pale and grossly malnourished, standing four foot six inches tall and weighing only 59 pounds at 13 years old. She nine pounds, 59 pounds. It's like my right leg, but, um, (laughs) my son's 11 and he's double that. Oh, uh, she had two nearly full sets of teeth in her mouth and a distended abdomen. Restraining The restraining harness her father used had caused a thick callus and a heavy, heavy black bruising on her buttocks, mm-hmm. which took several weeks to heal. A series of x-rays found that Jeannie had moderate coxa val- valga in both hips and an undersized rib cage, and doctors determined her bone age to be that of an 11-year-old at, when she was 13. She had normal vision in both eyes, but could not focus them on anything more than 10 feet away, corresponding to the dimensions of the room her father kept her in. So her eyes developed just to the sight of the room, the dimensions of the room, because that's all she kept in. I, these are things I, I never... I would never think... think. No, I didn't realize how much that would... Buttons. Are you okay, my dude? She's she does weird things. She's kind of like having she's, she's kind of spazzing out a little bit. Oh. Yeah, I'm talking about you, girl. She is doing some strange things. Earlier today, she was making a strange <clears throat> cough, but throw up noise. Um. So back to this. Ugh. Her gross motor skills were extremely weak. She could neither stand up straight nor fully straighten any of her limbs. She had very little endurance. Um, all this is talks about her walk. Her movements were hesitant and unsteady in her characteristic bunny walk in which she held her hands in front of her like claws, um, which suggested uh, extreme difficulty with censoring, sensory processing and an inability to integrate visual and tactile information. So like, I like that picture. I'll, I'm definitely have to post that one. It was, he was surprised to find her fine motor skills were significantly better determining they were at the approximate, the uh, approximately the level of a two-year-old. She could not chew, and she had yes. severe dysphagia. Dysphagia? Sure. Totally incapable of swallowing solid or even soft food, and barely able to swallow liquids. When eating, she held anything she could not swallow in her mouth until her saliva broke it down. Oh my and gosh. if it took too long, she spat it out and mashed it with her fingers. She was almost completely incontinent. 
and did not respond to extreme temperatures. So if it was hot or cold, it didn't affect her. Like she just didn't feel it. Just she was completely numbed to all the things that as a baby I'm adjusting, so deal with it. Sorry. So doctors found it extremely difficult to test or estimate her mental age or any of her cognitive abilities, but on two attempts, she scored at the level of a 13-month-old. But her abuse started when she was 20 months old, so she literally regressed as she got older. Um, but to the doctor's surprise, she was extremely interested in exploring new environments environmental stimuli although objects seem to intrigue her much more than people but i mean her she was not allowed to, to well, be around a, people that, that's, a, that's a baby yeah exactly she seemed especially curious about unfamiliar sounds and kent noted how intently she searched for their sources doctors noticed her extreme fear of cats and dogs very early during her stay but initially thought this was due to her being incapable of rational thinking they didn't know about his growling they did not discern it as its actual origin until years later. Um, from the start, Jeannie showed interest in many ho hospital staff members. She would um, approach and walk with complete strangers, but Kent said she did not seem to distinguish people and showed no signs of attachment to anybody, including her mother and brother. She would not allow anyone to touch her. At first, she wouldn't allow them to not to touch her, quickly shying away from any physical contact, which I get. I mean, she's literally only known pain. She hasn't had any contact. And while she sat on her mother's lap, when requested, she remained very tense and got up as quickly as possible. Hospital staff wrote that her mother seemed entirely oblivious to Jeannie's emotions and actions. I mean, her mom couldn't see. So... Sorry, that was rude. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was a really bad joke, and if you're blind, was, she's sorry. supposed to react. Like, ugh. Her behavior was very antisocial. I mean, same, but <laughs> proved extremely difficult for others to control. <laughs> I'm not really antisocial. I'm that can be a social butterfly, but sometimes I just want to be a reckless and be like, get, get away from me. I'm absolutely the same way. Regardless of where she was, she constantly salivated. Literally, me two seconds ago because I'm drinking, and she would spit and she would sniff and blow her nose on anything that happened to be nearby. Oh. She had no sense of personal she, property. These are things she was never taught. No. Like, this is an infant in a 13-year-old's body. Who've been literally raised in a dark room with a very small window open where she could see the sky and hear a piano once in a while. Oh, I just hate it. Ugh. Yeah, no sense of personal property. She would point to and take something she wanted from someone else or had no situational awareness. She acted on impulse, um, irrespective of the setting. Could you, like, not lick so loudly buttons? I really was like, <laughs> I was like she starts throwing up right now. I'm going to leave. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to go. She acted, yeah, acted on love. impulse, and especially noting she frequently engaged in open masturbation and would sometimes attempt to involve older men in it. So I that uh, that's got it. That's like it's that's not a confirmation. I don't know what would be, but I'm there. Like it, I don't. I don't know where we want to stop with this to like have a part two, because like this is there's a lot, um, that goes into it. There's a lawsuit. Um, there's there was another case in France 
similar right. to it? Yeah. So we'll get into all that. Boy. So I think we'll we'll kind of leave off on that that note. Um, I'm gonna mark it with my, uh, my nifty little paper clippy there in here. So that's part one of Miss Jeannie Wiley and the severe wild life she led up until her rescue. I just it's I, not even a rescue at this point though. It's really not. She, she's she's damaged beyond. And I mean, we'll talk about probably more in part two of that. Mm -hmm. Like we don't know her whereabouts. Like. I watched one documentary about her and then one doctor was like, I just want to know if she's okay. I just mm. want to know she's thriving where she is. And mm. we are not allowed to know it because of her mother had her locked down. Like she's a ward of state of California, but her mom was, her she mom shouldn't have had any control. They should know like down. she was just as damaged like by this dad. Like I just, mm. So, Kelly, make us feel better. What are you going to tell us about? <laughs> Here's that segue. Whale. Uh, whales? I love whales. Well, I'll do too. <laughs> but do we're not too. talking about whales. Uh, well. <laughs> whale. Oh, whale. I'm just going to take a minute. And we're gonna have some elevator music or a fun sound. Mm -hmm. Um, on this uh, post, I'm in a a pampered chef party online, and it says, uh, "What is your what's your spirit food?" And mine is a nutty hot dog. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, because you know me and Kelly like to talk about poop. That's uh, all I can think of. Yes, that's, that's let's see what Kelly's I is. You are a kind burrito oh i'm a kind burrito i'm gonna have to go to my mom's house and eat some more food I um go for like seven more calls. okay hey, kind so I, I don't know that i have like a huge exciting anything to add as usual oh my god please, um, but please I have to write to me and tell me how fantastic kelly is people <laughs> because i think it's incredibly important i'm just here uh She's just as needed. I think that my aunt is one of the most entertaining people. Oh my gosh, yes. Okay. I love her very much. I'm excited for this. Um, and, you know, she's older these days, doesn't have a lot going on. And she's, she she's from New York, too. She's in Brooklyn, yes, <laughs> where everything's a nightmare and every guy's a loser. <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> oh my God. I want to meet her. Her, she's just, I don't know. I, I think she'd really appreciate this. What I'm, what I've, I've figured out here about her. Okay. <laughs> um, because she has recently become obsessed with trees that appear to have faces in them. Pocahontas. Um, she of. sent me at least 16 pictures. Oh my gosh. You've got to give me at least like a few of them so I can post I will. them. I will send them all to you. Okay. Yes, Cause I've, we I've can only post 10 at a time on Instagram, but I'll make a separate post just for her photos. Oh my goodness. Um, I can't cause I, <laughs> <laughs> I love she, it. <laughs> she goes, are you kidding me? I can't even like as, as she's sending them to me. She's like, I'm crazy. I don't know what's wrong with me. Uh, but she can't go. She's like, these are just in, you know, two blocks from home. I can't go 10 <laughs> steps out of my house. I can't even go like 10 steps out of my house if I've seen another one. 
Um, and she now I'm gonna start looking for trees with faces. I know. I'm gonna I start Snapchatting. I thought them maybe to you. I would start like recognizing that, but I am not observant in that way. I have not yet. I like looking at clouds and trying to find things. Now I'm gonna have to look at trees. Too. You know, I did once upon a time, but I don't spend a lot of time looking at the clouds anymore. Um, I don't. I maybe mean, I need to do that more often. Just take a minute to. Appreciate nature. Appreciate nature. Nature. Look, I like looking at stars at night, especially when it's like really still night and the sky looks like you could just rip it open. Oh, you mm. need to come to my house one of the nights and we'll have like a bonfire. And I live in the country and there's no city lights. You can see the best stars. It's the best. Are you, do you have the pictures? Yeah. Oh my God, she sent you like a novel. She goes, Oh, been seeing faces in old trees. LOL. <laughs> LOL. And I have more in every day. <laughs> I have more in every day. I find more. Could you die? That's what she always says. Could you die? Could you die? My new hobby. <laughs> <laughs> All these trees and faces. Oh my God. She's so precious. How old is she? Oh, she's uh, probably... Almost 60, maybe around 60. Okay. Yeah. Love um, it. dad was born in 52. I think she's like three years behind him, maybe. Okay. So, so she's older. So yeah, she's younger. No, younger. Okay. Yeah. My dad's the oldest. He's the oldest. He oh. was spoiled. Everybody loves Ray. I, st- I love Ray. We were rats piss, but everybody loved Ray. That's it. Um, is that what she says? Yeah. <laughs> and, is. I, said, I love her. I told her that I need to find trees also. And I'll send her pics. And she's like, yeah, send me some. I read scientists found out trees have a low heartbeat instead of blood. They pump water every hour. That's why walking the dog, she stops at every tree. So one day I was thinking about the heartbeat and started seeing faces. <laughs> oh, my God. I think she's so fantastic. Everything about her. Oh my gosh. She's like, I'm watching them too. I've only covered a few blocks and found like 20 faces. (laughs) She's like, it's the older trees. (laughs) (laughs) Not these young little saplings. Uh, We need the old. I know. It's right. Kind of weird. Insert Pocahontas song. (laughs) Um, Yes. Okay. So before I lose these, I'm going to send these like. So you're going to like look up stories about people who find faces in trees. Okay. So actually it's not easy to find faces in trees. It like requires special people. This is what I found out about my aunt, which I kind of love. Well, yeah, she's just got a creativeness about her that, you know, who knew? Um, I probably shouldn't be doing this right now. I'm just afraid that I'm not going to find it again quickly. One, two, three, go. So I'm just, and I have to send them to you one at a time. Oh, that's exhausting. It is. You didn't save them prior? Oh, oh, my phone's buzzing. I wonder who it is. Oh, look, it's that Kelly. Oh, she's a nice lady. Look at that lady. Oh my God, there's totally faces in these trees. I'm living for it. This one looks like it has two. See? Oh no, she's done it. That's it. Nicole's ruined. I'm ruined. She ruins me. Eileen I cannot enjoy you. nature. Oh, oh my God. Oh, well, that, that, that's, that's some tits and a butt. <laughs> she got tits on her backside. Ma'am. It's a whole body. Hello. 
I oh my just god, love these that are all these pictures. Oh my gosh, actually, now that it doesn't look okay, I mean, it doesn't look like boobs anymore in a butt. It reminds me it's of the um bubblegum yum yum off of oh um god. off of Night at the Museum. Dum dum what gum gum. Dum dum what gum gum. Or, gum. Or he didn't call himself dum dum. You dum dum give me gum gum. That's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so I love that you you develop an accent while we do this. All right. Sometimes it just comes out. Oh, look, I can select them all at once and I can save them all at once. Hello, Instagram. Um, let's see. My thing literally told me to go grab an espresso as it does its work. Oh. Um, all right, so I found this article by the National Post. All right. So seeing faces and trees correlates to creativity and cognitive scientists are taking interest. It's like a big deal. There are moments in the history of science that become fables about sudden insight, simple storybook scenes like Archimedes in the bath, Newton under the apple tree, or Einstein in the patent office. Cognitive psychology has the makings of another one in the hobby photography of Ronald Sinek, 63. I need to tell my aunt about Robert. He walks the woods of eastern Ontario collecting evidence for the wild truth that human minds project into the natural, into the natural world. Huh. Did that make sense what I just said? No. Collecting evidence for the wild truth that human minds project into the natural world. Interesting what he's doing. So Love he it. sees faces and things. Trees mainly. Ghostly apparitions of eyes and mouths and knots of damaged bark are the stains of time on decomposing wood. See, this is why we shouldn't turn ourselves into trees after we die, because that's how you get haunted for us. I want to be a tree. Does anyone really need to be haunted by you, though, Kelly? <laughs> everybody would love me. Because like remember, we're going to come back to this, because everything got better when Kelly was born. Because you forgot. That day. But I said, don't do the research on that. Um, <laughs> don't. I want to be in one of those pots. Like I don't even want my ashes only. I want my full body fetal position in a pot. <laughs> I've seen in, it in these pods. That's what I want. And I've been telling the world. And so if I die and you guys mess that up, then I'm angry. Spirit Kelly. <laughs> okay. Now, Put me now in a pod. Okay. In a pod. I want to hang in my tree. <laughs> I know it'll be a while before I can. But... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have Kelly in my back. Okay, well, he's not a scientist, but he's doing real field work collecting these unusual stimuli, which are being used in academic laboratories around the world in studies of, I'm going to destroy this, per peridolia. Uh-huh. Peridolia. Yeah. Peridolia. The false recognition of patterns or meanings in nature. At first, this was because of Sinek's determined belief that these illusory. Mm-hmm. Faces were, we're not doctors. <laughs> We've discussed this. I'm guessing. She's a teacher um, and she's great. This is how I read to my students as well. I'm like, maybe it's this, guys. All right, I'm going to keep going. <laughs> and then one of them is like, actually, Kelly. Um, I believe I do have like gifted kids every now and then are like, um, ma'am, idiot <laughs> teacher. Uh, but it, usually I'm smarter than all of them. Uh, I always play them in the trivia games uh, from the material I taught them and have taught for the last 18 years. Yeah. So I, I have a little bit of a foot up. But <laughs> I was literally in her classroom one time when uh, she was doing, and she won every time. And beating everyone. <laughs> no no uh, fair chances. She does not. No. 
And they're like, could you not play? I'm like, I can't not play a game in my own classroom. <laughs> You're going down, children. I'm going to go with illusory. Illusory. Okay. They were of value to science and should be brought to the widest possible attention. Eventually, it was because scientists realized he was right. So he's doing all these things. A scientist named Jessica Taubert. Yeah, Jessica. Yeah, at the U.S. National Institute of Mental Health, is interested in the importance of exaggerated expressions. Why illusory faces? It's, I'm probably destroying this word, and illusory. there's someone out there like I hate her right now. You don't hate us. I help us. Want to point out that send I, us a voice message. I mean, we have I, a Facebook I can't page. Get the pronunciation.com real fast. I can't. Anyway, why illusory faces tend to be expressing intense emotion. Catherine Mondlock of Brock University in Ontario studies normal face perception, recognition of individual faces, and how it changes across the human lifespan. Other researchers are using cynex images to test and explain the propensity to facial peri peridolia mm -hmm. yep. uh -huh, in word. people with dementia, oh. motor neuron disease, and schizophrenia. Oh. oh, I saw a lady with schizophrenia. She was at the bar the other night, and she was talking to a bar. And it broke my heart. Mm -hmm. But they just leave her. She just lives her best life. But at least she's got the bar stool. Yeah. She used yeah. to have a dog, but it passed away. Get another dog. Someone get her a dog. Let me get her a dog. <laughs> I don't know you where she is. her buttons. No. <laughs> no. At, Loki, would like, Loki would have buttons. <laughs> Is your computer yelling at you? It just wasn't doing it. I had to. I had. To, I'm sorry. Continue telling us about Illus. Oh yeah, yeah. Illusory and paradoxical. 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 I'm gonna drink on that. Yeah. Uh, more fundamentally, as University of Toronto facial processing expert Kang Lee puts it. Next images show that the world we see is not entirely determined by what is out there. On the contrary, much of what we see or think we see is constructed through our brain. Seeing a face in tree bark is an extreme illustration of how our brain actively interprets the world, Lee says. You've I got cannot it. wait to send this to Eileen. <laughs> oh, hello. Looks like a bull sack. You're going to send me that picture. <laughs> download that and send me Mr. Ballsack. <laughs> Hello. I mean, it's... Okay. Uh, it, is, it is a diverse scientific interest. A paper published just this week, for example, showed the propensity to peridulia correlates yep. with creativity. Mondlock knows the power of these serendipitous arrangements that word. of eyes and nose. She has done experiments with newborns showing that the very simplest stylized face is enough to grab their attention. For adults, this instinct has become irresistible. Ooh, you can't cool. not see it, Mondlock says. From the minute we are born, humans have a huge sensitivity to anything that might be face-like. Seeing faces and things is not a bug in human cognition. It is a feature. Cynic, who lives in Brockville, Ontario, started doing this after he was injured in an accident and decided to become a na nature photographer. So he started walking deep into the woods and farmland, familiar to him from childhood. I really had no idea, he says. I was just looking for something that was totally different. 
Some faces he noticed right away, others only after ripping away some old bark. Some he shot up close and lying down. Ooh. <coughs> Excuse me. Gross. A few he noticed only after developing pictures. Oh. Mm, it's like a ghost appearing. The first general principle he noted was that the faces all seem to come from injury or age. The wizardly one in a knot of cedar is in a stump that is probably 100 years old. So these are all on this National Post document. I just Google it. The baboon is on a dead tree near where he has a cottage in the Rideau Lakes, I think. Mm -hmm. Finding faces in the woods is kind of like fishing. You have to know where to go, and you cannot go whenever you want. You have to go when the leaves are off the trees in fall or winter. Yes. Once the leaves are on the trees, everything's hid, he says. He remembers as a kid seeing a face in a patterned curtain viewed from his bed, but not wanting to tell his family for fear it would sound weird, even psychotic. He would try to see it every now and then, not always succeeding. Okay, I have to take a minute because I did do that. Oh, yeah. I think we all have. Like, Mm -hmm. you stare at a wall and you start to see. I I just remember there's a a bumpy wall in the church. Well, just looking at this this pattern, like, you could, we could prop, I already see one. I already right? see a face. Okay, so it. we absolutely do it everywhere and have always done it. I shouldn't give my aunt such a hard time, but it's just so funny that she's so caught up in this right now. I just took a picture of it. <laughs> you have to be just on that right angle. I guess that's what makes it able for me to see these images in the trees. He said, I know that you got to look on angles. Faces are special to the brain. And it is the brain that makes the faces in the tree, not the tree itself. Sorting that out is a surprisingly baffling problem, and it recalls the earliest philosophical wondering about the eye. You have a creepy face in your wall. (laughs) Whether it cast some illuminating fire into the world or simply took it in. Of course. Stop it. No, this one looks like a straight-up skull. Like, that's going like, (sighs) what have you done to me? Yeah. A key insight of modern psychology is how the brain creates faces out of the world, illuminating them for the mind. The idea is similar to what the Enlightenment era philosopher Immanuel Kant called the Copernican turn in philosophy. Thinking the world conforms to our minds and not vice versa is as revolutionary as thinking the sun is the center of the solar system, not the earth as Copernicus realized the earth is flat just kidding i'm not that person this don't looks be. like don't do it kissing nicole's going crazy she's got you know it does look like two people kissing on my wall thank you i i can't there's stun. a big nose on one of them yeah it's not cool bro no, the other one's it's not cool it's not cool oh my god we're gonna be seeing faces and everything um i don't like it and yet that is how it is and many parts of the brain are involved in vision but there is one area the Use of form face area is known to be specialized to recognizing faces. A stroke here can cause face blindness, known as mm, <laughs> prosopagnosia. I feel like um, I nailed that one. Stimulating it causes faces to appear. So there's a part of your brain known as the prosopagnosia. Prosopagnosia. <laughs> Stimulating it. So you can stimulate it. I'm guessing they use electrodes. Zap, zap. And all of a sudden they're like, voices! They're <laughs> appearing everywhere. In 2017, scientists in Japan, Austria, and the United States reported that simply by stimulating this area with an electrode, 
Oh, Kelly knows her shit. Smart. Both smart. And a young man with epilepsy who had many electrodes in his brain to control his seizures, like a cardiac pacemaker. Oh, my uncle shit. Oh. They can make him see faces and things, such as soccer ball and a box. What's in the box? They can induce facial. There's the word again. Harry Doilia. Beautiful. <laughs> this was not a hallucination. The face did not obscure what was behind it in the man's visual field. It simply emerged from what he was seeing. It was insane. So you can like mess with this part of the brain and all of a sudden you're just seeing faces and everything. Yeah, me right now. <laughs> As the anonymous subject described it, just for the very first second, <laughs> I saw an eye, an eye and a mouth. How do I explain this? Hmm. Am I just imagining things? Yep. Can you do it again? Okay. Just as I thought. I see a face. So they can just like mess with that one prog. I'm going to have to read it. Prognopolia. Prosopagnosia. Just messing with that little part of your brain. You see faces, man. Lee at U of T says people can cultivate this faculty get better at it by practice like cynic he used the analogy of a walk home at night when higher order processes like vigilance can make a person prone to seeing things in the shadows that are not really there if you try to look you tend to find very doilia like the next tree people show how much we are seeing in the world with the help of higher order cognitive processes lisa's they illuminate faces that are not even there until by looking we put them there there literally is like a chip in the paint behind you on that door, and it looks like a dude's head. <sighs> You've broke me. Broken. Broke my it's brain. Never to... stop. Oh, now that looks like a nose and lips. God damn it. I sent it to my aunt, and I cannot wait to see her response to this one. I tell her about the podcast, but I mentioned that she's. Well done, Kelly. Well done. <laughs> There you go. I did it. I made it. Okay, don't sue me, uh, Brendan Yuri. Thanks. That's just. You just. See, you say you're like not imperative to this podcast and you're just here, and then you give me these freaking stories, and now I'm looking for oh faces on your wall. Look at your shirt, man. I just gave you that shirt. It's going to have so many faces on it. Oh, I'm not sleeping in this because I'm going to take it off. I'm going to look at it. I'll be like, look! <laughs> I'm going to be like snapping you. There's one. Hello. <laughs> Why do you do this? See? Now I'm not even thinking about a feral child. I'm thinking about the faces that are missing. going on in this pattern on my wall. You sick because you bastard. Have circles with the weird edges coming She's together. just like, hey. She Maybe, foresaw the future. Remember I just need someone to cut me. Boyfriend who won't come hang out with me. Okay, thanks. Bye. You know what? You know what I've realized. I've started saying a lot is "You're welcome." Like "You're welcome." Uh, you're, welcome. you're welcome. And you're the welcome. world should be welcome. You're welcome. You. I just worried that people are going to be like, "Oh my god, are you trying to emulate and try to be like these the, the morbid girls?" I'll be like, "You know what? I've been saying you're welcome since it was on Awkward that TV show." Um, I need you to remember that the reason you're welcome. I wanted you to listen to them is because they talked just like they, you. They say so many. I they say said so the many same things you said. So you we have a lot of the same. Things. You guys were like soul sisters from the beginning. I can't wait to meet their faces in January because we're gonna go. <laughs> I don't care who, what face mask I have to jump through. I don't care if I have to go through a Clorox bath. 
I'm going to meet them. I don't care if I have to get another Q-tip stuck in my brain. Worth it. It's worth it. Worth it. What's even cooler is not only, because you haven't started listening to this other podcast, but the Serial Chillers podcast. Ah. uh, yeah, we, I got I, it downloaded finally. I just yes. haven't gotten started. I will. Um, I I believe the first three episodes, at least they weren't on Spotify. Um, I discovered them when I was researching for the Hillside Stranglers because I want to listen to other podcasts to see what they talked about. Mm-hmm. And then I discovered Serial Chillers, and I messed it. I ended up reaching out to the the. There's two hosts. There's Jesse, and then there's Greg. And I messaged Jesse asking for advice about how to record our podcast and what to record on. And he responded to me, and I freaked out. And then he talked about because they're because his co-host moved away, so the the podcast stopped. But now they're gonna slowly bring it back. And he's like, once we get it up and going, he's like, maybe you guys will want to guest star. And I'm like, what? I lost my mind at work, and I met. I called Kelly immediately twice because she hadn't called me. She didn't answer the first time. And I'm like, oh my God, I have to tell you things. And I was really excited. So, and Dusty said he was going to check out our podcast. And I'm like, he's probably like, I'm just like a dude who makes a podcast and I'm pretty cool. And I'm like, no, (laughs) I like literally like look up to you as a now podcaster. And I'm like, the fact that you messaged me back, I'm just honored. So if you ever listen to this and then you start judging me and don't want to listen anymore, I totally get it. But thank you for inspiring me. Okay. Thanks. Serial chillers, everybody. Serial chillers. And it, he runs it like a game show. And he doesn't really get more into, like, he talks about, like, the murders of things, but he wants to go more, how did these people get to where they were? Like, what was their upbringing? And I like, it's a different a- aspect on, like, true crime. And I, it's just cool. So go check them out. He's Get pretty freaking rad. So. Love it. Now that we're uh, wrapping things up, we do have, <laughs> we got the Facebook page. Because I got bored the other day. And I was Bloody like, Bounce why not? Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Bloody Bounce's podcast. I learned, I learned them all. <laughs> and she finally, she's been learning our social she's like, media. Say the social media, and I'm going to yell it out. <laughs> so, yeah, we've now got a Facebook page, and you can message us on there. Um, I was running ads, and this lady clicked on it, and it ended up sending her an automatic message that I didn't know was set up. And I'm like, I am so sorry. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> but thanks for messaging me. Hope you have a great day. Bye. <laughs> she was totally cool. She's like, it's totally fine. She's like, what is this? I'm like, it's my podcast page. I didn't even know it sent messages. Oh, thanks for being so kind and understanding. Um, And then we have our Instagram page. Bloody Devil's Podcast. Yeah. Um, That's where I try to post all of the pictures about what we talk about. Um, I just, yeah, I do that. And then we have a Twitter. Bloody Devil's. Good. Kelly, you're so good. I'm going to nail them. Nailed it. We don't have an email established yet because I think it's not necessary. So you can just now message us on Facebook and tell us how amazing or terrible we are. If you say I'm terrible, I'm going to block you. But anyways, I don't need that kind of negativity in my life. You don't. Mm-mm. Don't Mm-mm. walk away Mm-mm. from people who suck your joy. And so now I've also discovered that you guys can actually subscribe and like... I know Patreon.com is one way, is one thing. Subscribe and like, hello. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. But it's, um, it's not Patreon. We don't have one of those. I don't think it's necessary because you can do it through Anchor and it's on every episode. It says support this podcast. So if you want to support us, like I said earlier, our friend is making us a new logo. So maybe oh, cool. we'll be cool enough and people will want our faces on there. Like, do you remember you know, when it was like Giselle? Because it was uh, like our names. Uh, is that what we went with? Nacelli is what Tim named all three of us. Nacelli, Nicole, Kelly, and Gisela. Nacelli. Dream team. Like Granted, our dream team is pretty fantastic now. I do love her. Oh my pretty god, I do. Why are you great? 
And now we're just babbling. We can't lose anybody. No, nobody can leave. No. Nobody. Nobody can leave. Nobody can leave. Okay, cool. Don't care. Um. So yeah, so check us out. We are on. Um, and I will be. Um, my days off are usually Mondays and Tuesdays. One of my our coworkers, Yadi, suggested she's like, "Hey, tell them when you're going to release it. That way they'll be." ready for it like it'll be on tuesdays my goal is to have it out by probably uh 12 central time since that's where we are in kansas um so 12 central at the usually i'm like i say that and then i like upload it at like 12 30 i'm like ah it's afternoon that way i give myself time on mondays to edit because you know kelly and i have crazy schedules um she's she's got like 400 children and i've got one (laughs) and but we're getting just getting back into just Yours getting into a schedule. Mine just need money on occasion. Yeah. Me to leave them alone. Yep, yep, yep. But yeah, so we're, so yeah, on Tuesdays is the magical day of the week when we will be posting. I'll, I'll be posting. Kelly just shows up. And I, do I do. Else. <laughs> I need a drink. I'm here. For, <laughs> I, well, you provided that drink, but I'm like, I brought the drinks tonight. But yeah, so I'm, I'm super pumped about us being in Ecuador and Ireland and Singapore. You guys are pretty so rad. (laughs) Oh, um, I'm going to plug the, oh gosh, now I don't know her name. Her name is Mandy. I know that she is, it's wild, wilding wonders art. She's this wicked, wicked cool artist um, based out of uh, (laughs) Canada. Canada. She actually has a giveaway going right now. I actually think I tagged you in it. Uh, it's yeah, Wilding Wonders Art. She's got a Facebook page as well as a Instagram. She's this fantastic artist who she just recently um she's like, I saw this random podcast um and uh, that was following me on Instagram and she's like, Girl, you're in my ear holes and it made my whole <laughs> life. And I actually won a little uh little just a small drawing that she did of dorothy from the wizard of oz in a face mask and it said there's no place like home and my dad is a huge wizard of oz fan so i was one of the lucky winners that got that drawing from her so i'm gonna have i'll have to save it and put it on um online but she's a wicked cool artist so please go check out her page and show her some love and support she recently she does she's been doing a lot of the she did Coraline. she did the house from um friday the 13th she's like just a oh she's an amazing artist and she's i think she's absolutely gorgeous that's just me um yeah go check out her art and go buy some art from her because you should do that and i'm not getting paid for any of this but you should just go do it (laughs) so there is that so we'll be coming at you coming in hot with episode or part two come in hot coming in hot with part two of miss Jeannie wiley and more about her psyche and where she may or may not be in the world and whatever um, kelly I, jumps down I the rabbit like hole with know what happens to feces and urine in the ocean so yeah episode eight is gonna be <laughs> smelly and kind of sad so we will be in your hurry ear holes back. <laughs> hurry back next tuesday and we will uh, 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 catch you all on the flippity flip bye